0: So this morning what we want to do is we want to dive into Mark chapter 6. If you have a Bible, if you have a device, I want to encourage you to uh, find Mark chapter 6 verse 30. And I'm going to begin reading and we're going to stop at verse 36 partway through the story and then we'll pick up in a moment the rest of the story. But verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat boat, to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. They ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and by themselves, something to eat father we need you to open our eyes to the power and truth of this word but God we don't only need you to open our eyes to it we really need you to change our hearts we need you to work in our hearts in such a way that we would be more like Jesus we would live more in the power that Jesus gives us we would live more in the courage that he has and God that we would see a likeness in our thoughts, in our attitudes, and our behaviors that we see in Jesus. Help us with this, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's orient ourselves a little bit to the entire passage, right? Because we haven't studied the whole book of Mark. Mark chapter 6. What's happened is the disciples have just returned from a ministry opportunity. Back earlier in chapter 6, Jesus had sent them out two by two And he was leading them. And as as he was leading them, we recognize that we get into the story and it's really all about Jesus, right? He becomes the center of the story and he wants to bring us into, as Mark has written it here in the Gospel, about how Jesus becomes a shepherd to the people of Israel just like it was promised in the Old Testament. That God would send a shepherd that would take care of his people. Someone that would care for them, someone that would feed them and guide them and serve them. Someone that would help them. So they had been in this ministry season that was very busy. We just read they didn't even have time to eat. Jesus said, It's been so crazy. Why don't you slip away to a quiet place, a desolate place, a place where you can have some peace and quiet, get refreshed, re-energized, refocused, and we'll be ready to move forward. Well, of course, as they did that, we read the story, what happens, right? All these people, thousands of people, start to catch up with them so that they never find that peace and quiet. And all of a sudden, these thousands of people are surrounding them. It says that there were so many people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. And I thought, wow, that's just like Christmas season, right? We just get going from Thanksgiving when we turn the corner, all of a sudden it's like it is a straight, full-on sprint to Christmas. There's shopping, there's food, there's parties, there's connections with old friends, and all of it becomes crazy, and it's all in the midst of life that's already kind of busy and all these things going on. So what I want to do this morning as we look at this, as we recognize that we right now are in a very busy season, first question is, what does it even mean? to keep Christ at the center. And the second question I want to answer is, how do we keep Christ at the center? So here we are, we're in a series talking about what does it mean, and then we'll talk about how. So when I talk about what does it mean to keep Christ in the center, I want to give us two things. Here's the first one. As we think about keeping Christ at the center, it means that we need to yield to the Spirit. We need to yield to the Spirit, and then we also need to keep Jesus' priorities. Now, why do I say yielding to the Spirit? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. We recognize in Mark chapter 1, if we were to read the gospel, we'd see, and we'd see it in the other gospels, is that Jesus was baptizing people in the Spirit, right? That's what John said was going to happen. When John was baptizing Jesus, he also made the comment that when Jesus comes, right, when, when Jesus would do this, he is going to baptize people in the Spirit. He also said in Matthew chapter 3, it says that he would baptize them in the Spirit and fire, that there would be this purifying, amazing power of God. And that's what Jesus came to do. We see Jesus doing this and we see that he was led by the Spirit. Remember when he went out into the wilderness? He was led by the Spirit. The Spirit was constantly part of it. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says this, that Jesus was Filled with the Spirit when he started his ministry. When I say filled with the Spirit, what I mean by this is that he was controlled and empowered to hear from the Father so that he could do all that the Father was commanding him to do. It's an amazing thing to think about all that went on with the Trinity. As God the Father guided, the Son yielded to the Spirit, and they all worked in concert carrying out the mission that God had sent him for. Well, when we think about this yielding, right, it's, it's much like what we talk about at Fox Alley Church. We so often talk about a heart attitude of surrender, a attitude, right? It, it, it's an internal attitude of the heart that says, God, not my will, but your will, right? That, that's what we want to be about, that we're constantly seeking the things of God, that we would align ourselves with what God is doing. So we're constantly looking, what is God doing? And we know a little bit of what God is doing. He told us that he loves people. And he cares for people. It says in John chapter 8 that he's drawing people to himself. Now you know that, and I know that, because the Bible tells us that. If God is drawing people to himself, that means there's people in your family, your workplace, in your neighborhood, at your school, where they are far from God, and you now know that God's Spirit is drawing drawing them to God and we can get in on this drawing work of God and of course that's what pastor Brad talked about last week was that we want to be a part of this in our daily lives well we know also that God loves people just flat out loves them so how can we love people how is it that we could be the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus right or of God the father so we recognize that all these different things are going on with this, with the Spirit, so we want to yield to the Spirit as we look at this Christmas season that's so busy. Maybe a good example of someone who yielded would be Mary. Imagine Mary, a young woman who had hopes and dreams. She was single, she was living in Nazareth, and she had hopes and dreams for her life just like you do. You and I, we live life with all kinds of hopes and dreams. And we pursue them, sometimes passionately with a lot of energy, and we'll throw all our resources at all these hopes and dreams. Well, that was Mary. Until one day, an angel comes to her and announces that she's the one chosen by God the Father to carry this amazing miracle baby that would be God and man, one person. Like, this is crazy. But do you remember what Mary said? She said, Let it happen. Let it be just as you've said. That's a posture of surrender. It's a posture of saying, "God, not my will, but your will be done." And so when we think about what is it to keep Christ at the center, it's keeping a heart attitude of yielding to the Spirit or a posture of surrender. Two ways to talk about essentially the same thing. Of course, drawing on the spirit the power of the spirit is critical. Now, as we look at the second element that's talking about, right? keeping the priorities of Jesus, Well, what are the priorities of Jesus? Well, we begin to see them in our passage today. We see them in verse 34. So let let me focus on verse 34 just for a moment here. As we look at this, it says, He went... Jesus went ashore, and he saw this great crowd. Now, we know in a few moments when we read, we're going to see that there were thousands of people. It says 5,000 men, and many people would recognize that. They read that, and they say, wait a minute. If they're just counting men, there's women out there, there's children, there's everything in between. And some people calculate there could have been 15, 20, 25,000 people that had come to listen to Jesus, to come and hear what he had to say and to draw upon what he was doing. He was healing people and exercising demons and all these different things are uh, happening. So here he is, there's this great crowd, and look what it says, here's our word, he had compassion on them. Now this word compassion isn't just like this surfacey feeling. It has the idea, at least in the ancient world, of coming from the bowels. That's the way they talked about it, coming from the deepest part of your being. We would say it a little differently. We would say in the deepest recesses of our heart, there's compassion. So it's not just a surfacey emotional feeling. It's deep within Jesus that he has compassion for these people. Now why was he moved at such a deep level? For these people well it tells us because here's a because right you see this because they were like sheep without a shepherd it's a picture isn't it it's a picture of people that had no one to guide them there was no one to care for them There was no one to feed their souls. There was no one to guide them into life. What kind of life are we talking about? Well, human life is human life, right? If you're a high school student, you're dealing with all kinds of thoughts and feelings and attitudes about life, just like Mary had hopes and dreams. If you're a student here today, you have hopes and dreams, and you're kind of wondering, what's my life going to be like? Am I going to make it? And, and we live in a day when there's some, some elevation of fear and anxiety. And, and so you need someone to guide you, to give you direction, to speak honest truth into your life and tell you, here's the way life works. If you're 20 years old and you're starting your career, you start to feel some of these same things. Do I have what it takes to make it? Am I going to be able to do all that others have done before me? Do I really have it? Will I get married? What will my life? What will my husband? What, will I have children, right? All these questions. And what do you need? You need someone to say here's how life needs to stay focused. Here's how you manage your soul. Here's how you get direction in life. Here's our, here are things that really matter. We all need this. We all need a shepherd. And Jesus is saying, I want to be that shepherd. You get into your 30s, you get into your 40s, and your career maybe doesn't shake out the way you thought. You don't make as much money as you maybe really dreamed of. Or maybe you make more than you ever thought. And maybe you have more responsibility than you could ever imagine. And you're like, can I keep doing this? Can I hold on to this, right? And life goes on, and Jesus is saying, that's the normal human condition. We have questions, we have thoughts, we have fears, we have anxieties. We wonder, am I going to have enough if I'm in retirement? Am I going to be able to take my life and retire at the same level that I've lived in? Am I going to be living on the streets, etc., right? All these questions come up, and Jesus is saying that he has compassion on you and me. And so, when we think about these things, the priority of Jesus Is that we would have compassion on people. Look what it says that he did. He began to teach them many things. So, what did he teach them that day? He told them what really mattered in life, he taught them about how to yield to God the Father. He taught them how to walk through the seasons of life. He taught them how to deal with the brokenness and and craziness that we live and find in life. That's what Jesus did. He constantly brought people there. As I told you the story about Henry and Walter, I didn't tell you who Henry is. Henry is Henry Nowen. He's a famed author. He taught at Notre Dame. He taught at Yale. He taught at Harvard. And he Struggled all of his life with same sex attraction, and he could never figure out a lot of different things. But that day, when he was 13, he learned about compassion the kind of compassion that comes deep within, moved by God providing it. Listen to what he wrote, and let me quote him Compassion asks us if you're a compassionate person, it asks us to go where it hurts. Compassion asks us to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Isn't that what God did? He sent His Son to enter into all the things that we experience in this world. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely to weep with those in tear. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. So the priority of Jesus when it says that he had compassion on people we begin to see that we, during this busy Christmas season, need to pull back and keep the very priority of Jesus at the center. So here we are. We know that we are in a time, right now in the Christmas season, there's a lot of loneliness. Lots. People will talk about being at parties, they'll talk about all these activities, but there'll be some people that have no parties, they'll have no activities. Or maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've lost a friend. Maybe this was the year that the spouse passed away and they're all alone and they feel this. The world is filled with this kind of loss and loneliness. Should I mention hurt? We live in a world where families are in turmoil, all kinds of turmoil. And we get into the Christmas season and there's all kinds of crazy And it shows itself in lots of ways. And that's where Jesus is calling us to have compassion, to recognize that people are hurting, that people are dealing with a lot of different things. So when Jesus said that he was a shepherd for sheep, for people that had no leader, they had no guide, he wants to step in. And that's what God is calling us to do when we say keep Christ at the center of relationships is that we need to step in and be the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus during Christmas. And so I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, how do we do that, right? How do we show that kind of compassion? Well, that's my second question. But to answer that, we need to read the rest of the passage. So follow along with me, verse 37. But he, Jesus, answered them. Remember, the disciples wanted to send them away to go get food in the villages and the communities. And Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, Shall we go and buy some bread worth 200 denarii and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see." When they had found out, they said five, five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. That's a phrase where he's talking about yielding to God the Father. He's talking about what, Father, do you want to do at this moment and as he discerned what God was going to do he gave a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them and they all ate thousands of people and they were all satisfied verse 43 and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and a fish and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. So how do we keep Christ at the center of our relationships? How do we show people the compassion that we see in Jesus Christ? Remember that he wanted to show his disciples compassion. They had been out, what, ministering serving so that they didn't even have time to eat and people were coming he said go away get some rest for your body go to a quiet place so jesus cares about the physical part of our lives i want to bring you a little deeper into the story remember when jesus said to go out he sent them out two by two That's what it says in Mark chapter 6, right? Earlier in the chapter, he said Jesus sent them out two by two to go in and do a couple things, right? To preach about the kingdom, to exercise demons, and to also uh, heal people. So God was doing, or Jesus was doing, all these different things. Can you imagine, just for a moment, go with me here. Can you imagine being paired up with Judas, You know, Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus? The one who turned against the leader? Can you imagine being paired up with him and going village to village? Just put yourself in that spot for a moment, right? But let me make sure, if you'll uh, look maybe with me at chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, it says that he proclaimed that people should repent, so the disciples were preaching the kingdom, It says that they were exercising demons casting them out and then it says also that they were uh, healing people right or it says anointed oil with many and were sick and healed all of them so now let me ask you a question did Judas do that did Judas preach the kingdom and call people to repentance you can shake your head yes did Judas go ahead and exercise demons and show the power of the kingdom? You can shake your head yes. Did Judas heal people? You can shake your head yes. See, Judas was out there doing all of this. Now how do we know this? Well, there's lots of passages we could look at, but one place just for the moment we'll look is that when Jesus was preaching his most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 22, it says that many people prophesied in his name, doesn't it? It says many people did miracles in Jesus' name. But do you remember what the next phrase is? Depart from me, I never knew you. Why am I bringing up Judas? Because it's very possible that during this Christmas season we would live in the power of the flesh rather than in the power of God. That we would live doing what we want to do rather than yielding to the Spirit. You may see great things happen, but that's not what it's all about, is it? Remember, there's a story I gotta, It came to mind as I was thinking about this. So, so Jesus is out preaching, and this woman in this crowd, she shouts out, Blessed is the woman that bore you and nursed you. And Jesus, he just listens to this. He says, that's not what we should be rejoicing in. What's that? Rejoicing in great things that we do, that Mary did. He says, you should be rejoicing in that your name is written in heaven. You see how Jesus turns it to important things. And so as we look at these things this morning, we recognize that we've got to keep our priorities right. We've got to stay yielded to the Spirit, just like we've been talking about. So let me give you a few things about how do we keep Christ at the center at Christmas time in our relationships. Here's the first one. We need to keep a heart of compassion. Don't take that for granted. I'm talking about compassion from the heart. Do you have compassion for people? Do you know you could be sitting next to someone that has lost a loved one this year? Do you know you could be sitting next to someone or coming on a Sunday morning and these people are struggling with anxiety or fear? Very real possibility. If you don't have compassion like we just talked about that Henry Nouwen was writing about that compels us to enter into other people's lives, to enter into other people's experiences, to care about what's going on, you need to ask God for that. And you need to turn away from the surfacy kind of feelings that we so often walk in Because we really don't have compassion for people. So the Christmas season, as we get busier and busier, as the sprint increases, we need to seek compassion by yielding to the Spirit, keeping Jesus' priorities. God isn't asking you to minister to everybody, but he is asking you to minister to people because he cares about people. Let me hit a second one, honoring others. Honoring others. This comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 10. We need to put others first. Do you know what threatens honoring people? Pride. Thinking of ourselves first. Isn't that what pride is? It's an absorption. It's a focus on ourselves so that we can't honor people. It's a husband that says to his wife while she's trying to hold the whole Christmas thing together, says, "I'm so proud of you. I'm amazed at all that you juggle and all that you do." It's a, a wife looking at her husband and honoring him and saying, "I can't believe all that you do in this busy time." There's this mutual respect that gets stated publicly. It's a dad calling out his kid and saying, I love you. I'm amazed at all that you are doing. And in order to do that, we have to get our eyes off ourselves and look at other people and know that other people are struggling. They're going through hard things. You say, well, wait a minute. I'm going through hard things. This is where the Bible turns everything on its head and says, if you want to be ministered to, minister. And it starts with a heart of compassion and it means honoring people. And it's, it's when you go to a Christmas party or you, you go to a social event during Christmas and, and we talk about ourselves, but if we're going to honor other people, we're going to be looking to what's going on in their lives. And that presses me into my third point. It's putting others' people, other interests ahead of your own. This comes out of Philippians chapter 2 verse 4, this idea that we need to keep our eyes off ourselves and look at how we can serve other people. If we want to keep Christ at the center during Christmas, we have to have this heart of compassion. We need to honor people. Just honor them. Build them up, esteem them. And then we can serve them by doing putting their interest ahead of our own. We all have things that we're after. There's all these things that we're trying to do. But it's pausing and saying, how can I help you accomplish what you want to accomplish? Many of us are familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. right? Remember, Make-A-Wish, it's for kids, like if one of them is sick, they get to go to the foundation and make a wish. And, and, and they can have pretty much all kinds of things. Some, I want to meet the President of the United States and make a wish tries to accomplish these different things. I want to meet this baseball player or this football player. Or I want this thing. Well, Mac, Mac Schulist, he was nine years old. He had a brain tumor. And the Make-A-Wish Foundation came to him and asked him what do you want what wish could we give you in this season of your life and he says i want a climbing wall but i want a climbing wall for all my friends at ellisville elementary see how radically other-centered he was because he didn't even live to enjoy a climbing wall It was all for his friends. 600 kids at Ellisville Elementary School would have a climbing wall. That's what we're talking about at Christmas season. Being this other-centered type of person that looks after the interest of others before your own.